2: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today is going to be part three of our little
0: exercise, um, for those that have not been on board. Essentially, day one, we analyzed the roster, compared it to really good teams, really bad teams, kind of looked at what are the issues and what are the best ways to fix it, then we looked at the draft. We decided, um, And now we're going to kind of do it in correct order. Yesterday we did it kind of backwards, but now we looked at, now that we've analyzed the draft, we say, okay, there's a reasonable expectation that this, this, and this can be or can't be satisfied in the draft. Therefore, really important that we take care of it in free agency. Otherwise, there's just a really good opportunity or a really good possibility. This isn't getting solved. And depending on how serious it is or how much we tend to believe that this is or isn't going to be the difference between us getting in the playoffs, got to kind of just go for it. So that's what we're doing today. We're looking at NFL free agents in 2019. Now, unfortunately, this isn't a very comprehensive list. I'm I'm hoping to get one. The problem is if you just Google 2019 free agents, it's going to give you the biggest name that are technically not under contract in 2019. The problem with that is twofold. Number one, most of these guys are going to be re-signed, especially the really, really big names. More than likely, teams, you know, if, if these guys are really valuable and or really young and talented, uh, team, you just, you don't let them go. The second issue is it's not comprehensive because we don't know which which players are going to be released or possibly traded. For example, the Green Bay Packers might be looking to offload Jimmy Graham. They could potentially be getting rid of Brian Balaga. They could potentially be getting rid of, um, well, Clay Matthews and and uh, well, actually, Clay is already a free agent. Who's who am I thinking of? Tremont, maybe. I don't know. There, but there's there's people. Oh, Perry, Nick Perry. Now these guys probably aren't going to be on these lists because that would be too much work for a lot of people to actually look into each team and the cap situation etc cetera, etc cetera. for example i mentioned several months ago i looked at the denver broncos and said it would probably make sense if they offloaded von miller now i've since gone back it, basically i said it would be a good idea for them to get rid of von miller then a few months later everybody else kind of caught on like ooh, what about von miller and then i looked at it again and i was like no nah, they're not getting rid of von miller but that's kind of what i'm talking about so hopefully at some point i'll uh I'll try to put something together to take a look at it, just people that would make sense even though they're under contract, maybe some options there. Maybe I could just reword my Google search and try to find it, I don't know, whatever. Um, I've got several thank yous to hand out today. First off, shout out to Josh for joining the 300 Club. For those that don't know, the 300 Club is, I'm asking for anyone who is not yet involved in uh, giving to the podcast, $3.00 for episode three hundred and I believe this is two ninety nine today? Not sure. But uh pretty exciting milestone. So Josh jumped on that board and I really, really appreciate it. On that board. He jumped on a board, man. I can't stop him. He's a, he's a wild man. I don't know. Jumping on boards and stuff. That is not how that saying works. I want to thank Mr. Todd who's in the uh the Facebook group. He also reached out, wanted to give a little bit we can technically put him in the the 300 club, I suppose. He gave a number that is a multiple of three. So he's like a 300 club all-star, I think. But Todd, thank you very much for that. And then we got two new folks on Patreon. We got Nico and Duncan. Thank you very much, gentlemen. As always, very, very blown away by all the support. This is not an easy endeavor, but um, of all the days that I've considered not getting up and doing this, it's like yeah, but there's a lot of people that contribute to the show, so it kind of gives gives you a sense of obligation to get up and get get to work. So thank you, and and for all the listeners out there, be sure to uh, be sure to get up and dance is what you need to do. What's going on? Be sure to to thank your local donators. I feel like a PBS commercial, man. I used to hate that, by the way. Like, dude, I'm trying to watch Sesame Street. Why are you talking to me? I'm like six. I don't have money. Begging a six-year-old for money. Get out of my face. Dude, I'll just change the channel and watch Spider-Man. I don't care. I don't need your show. I guess what I'm saying is some people are better people than me. I don't know. But anyways, for those that would like to get involved in one capacity or another, just check the comments section. There's And, and all three of these things got hit up just yesterday. So uh, Patreon if you'd like to get in there. By the way, Patreon now, I've been saying I want to start uploading stuff just for my patrons. If you're in Patreon for $5 or more, I've uploaded two Excel spreadsheets now. So yesterday we went through and did position by position and how many players are in each position, etc., cetera, et cetera. I uploaded that so now you can visualize that and kind of see for yourself, analyze it, whatever. I also put my entire big board from nflbigboard.com. So basically, it's the raw, the raw spreadsheet. So I stripped out all the formatting. So unfortunately, there's some it's supposed to be highlighted in red the guys that are that are going back to college. So there's going to be a few guys going back to college that are still on on the list. There's also some, some information that uh, hasn't yet been updated. But bottom line is there's like 1,000 and I don't know. I think it's over like 1,100 total prospects. But there's kickers and everything else. Uh, the reason there's such a discrepancy is, like I've said, NFLBigBoard.com. I don't add any prospects that don't have at least three grades from three different uh, sites. But the cool thing is, you can go in, you can look at. Okay, I want to see Drew Locke. Why is he where he is? And you can see, like some, how high some people are. Like at at the highest, he's, you know, I don't know, 18th. At the lowest, somebody has him at 78th or 97th or whatever. So anyways, if you're kind of a draft freak or you just kind of want to see the behind the scenes of NFLBigBoard.com and see how that all works, um, I do have that sheet up again. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, $5 or more per month. If you're giving a buck, it's just four extra bucks, man. You can see it. I'm going to try to keep adding more stuff. I just got to try to figure out what to put in there. Um, I do a lot of this work anyway, as I've said, for the show. So I might as well just give some of the show notes to uh, the people that are donating to the show. So anyways, if you're into
2: that go on and do it anyways we're kind of doing this in weird order <laughs> today and it's just going to get weirder because there's another segment that we're going to be adding but uh, packernet.com nflbigboard.com uh and the facebook group packernet podcast facebook group boom but there is one other thing there is the phone number you can see it in the description if you can't see a description it's 608 501 608 Now I've told you if you want to ask a question, feel free to text or call, and I'll I'll do what I can to get the question answered. However, I had a thought, especially in the off-season and possibly into the regular season, depending on how this goes, I thought it would be kind of cool because I know basically the reason I started doing a podcast is because I just have a lot of stuff to say. I'm positive with the amount of listeners we have, you guys have some stuff you want to say. And I'm sure some of you are sitting there listening to the podcast. I had a friend tell me this the other day. He was yelling at me in his car listening to the podcast because he really wants Antonio Brown. And it kind of got me thinking, like, you know what? What if I did a little what grinds my gears kind of segment where I, you guys call in and just kind of vent or just say whatever. That's not a guarantee I'm going to put it on if you call in. Probably not going to put on a thing about you just saying, by the way, your show is trash, blah, 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 because, I mean, no. No. But I appreciate the feedback. But um, so yeah, that's that's the phone number. You can either text or call a question, or if you want to be on the show, get a little bit off your chest. Whether it's a theory like this is what I think, or this is how the scheme is going to work, or this, that, or the other, just call in, put it out there, and uh, you know I'll comment on it. So that is actually what we're going to be doing now. I put out some feelers on Twitter and on uh, the Facebook group, and I got somebody to bite. And I don't think I have a name, but the first ever What Grinds My Gears segment on the Packernet podcast.
0: By the way, I just went back and realized the audio was all jacked up. I don't know if the headphones broke or what, but fortunately, I bought a new pair, and um, now it's working. So, anyways, let's get to the call.
1: All right, Ryan. So, here we go. Thanks for taking the call, by the way. This is What Really Grinds My Gears. The narrative that McCarthy was a bad coach. Now, let me start this off with saying that, first of all, I know that he needed to go. It's very clear that things got out of control and that a change was completely necessary. But the idea that this man was in any way a bad coach just really upsets me. This offseason, when I look out into the coaching market, I was saying, who is the best option out there for this team? Strictly from a coaching standpoint, it was Mike McCarthy. And it's sad that he had to go, and it's sad that another team was not willing to give him the reins and control the team because he deserves that chance. He's one of the most successful names in football, and over the past two uh, seasons where things just did not go our way, he was pushed out, and he needed to go. But is this man washed up? I don't think so. He's smart, he's relatively young, and he's got many years left in this league. Even a team like the Jets that didn't want to give him a shot you know it it's just really sad to me that a team is willing to go with Adam Gates over Mike McCarthy when this guy just breathes success. I wish him the best. It clearly was not all his fault. Ted Thompson is to blame the front office is to blame, and uh defensive play as well as you know having the most difficult job in and I think the n f l is coaching Aaron Rodgers, who clearly has some personality issues that are that could be difficult to cope with. You know, it's no easy task at all to coach this guy. And, um, you know, Mike is great. Uh, wherever he goes next year, I think he'll do well. I wish him the best. And I'm glad that we moved on, but this man deserves another chance in this narrative that this guy is, is you know, washed up or stagnant or, you know, whatever the media paints him out to be. I, I just don't like it. Thanks a lot, Pac Daddy.
0: So, first of all, thanks a bunch for, uh, for calling in, man. And in my opinion, I agree. The only thing I'm not sure, it's hard to argue with just about anything you said. And and I think what you think about McCarthy is pretty much what everybody would say, at least as far as respect for Mike McCarthy, despite, you know, a lot of the hostility. But, you know, fans lose and then they get angry and they lash out. It it happens. I think in retrospect, give it a year, McCarthy's going to be very loved by the fan base for those that don't already. I do wonder a little bit if it's his stubbornness and unwillingness to change his scheme that kind of hurt, but I definitely agree that he's very intelligent. As far as coaching, head coaching goes, yeah, he probably is and was the best candidate available. Just outside of the whole offensive play calling kind of stuff, if you want a guy that's going to come in and just be I mean, as far as, I, I don't even know, the administrative, the, the how to structure a team, the kind of discipline, the kind of, you know, how to keep guys in line, and I mean, the, the Patriots get a lot of respect for the way that they run their organization, but if there's anybody else that runs a clean and tight ship like the, the, like, uh, the Patriots, it's the Packers and what Mike McCarthy did. Now, two comments here beyond that. Number one I think it's very possible that taking a year off could be a very big benefit for him. You've heard that with a lot of different coaches, from Petten to everybody else, right? Um, Chuck Pagano took a year off. And what they all tend to say is when you sit back and kind of analyze stuff, and we'll see what Mike does, right? Uh, Petten was consulting with the Seahawks and kind of giving them his perspective on stuff. Pagano was working with the referees, which maybe isn't quite as useful, but a lot of these guys get little side gigs that keep them somewhat involved. But either way, if, if uh, Mike McCarthy has any aspirations of coaching beyond 2019, he's really going to have a great opportunity to sit back and analyze other teams and other schemes and other you know ways of, of running, not just an offense, but a team in general. And I think that could be a great benefit because everybody knows his track record and how awesome it is. I think the only issue is the whole... You know, he's gone stagnant. We don't want that 2017 Packers or 2010 Packers, for that matter. We don't want that offense here. We don't don't want that here with the Jets. Now, to your point, is he better than Gase? I think so, yeah. Because, as I've said, Gase was on the cutting edge. But Gase was on the cutting edge, what, like three, four years ago when he was considered cutting edge? I don't think that's cutting edge anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's still on the forefront. Very intelligent mind. But I mean, if I'm going for a guy that's kind of I don't know iffy as far as his ability to structure an offense, I'd I'd take a swing at McCarthy over Gase probably. I don't I again I don't know. I'd have to be in the meeting room. I'd have to understand how these things work. Maybe he just blew him away with his knowledge and his understanding of stuff. Here's kind of my second point though, which is a little bit more on the negative side about him not getting a job this year. There is as much as we all want to root for McCarthy, we're ultimately going to be rooting against McCarthy. And the reason I say that is because the one thing that's going to ensure McCarthy doesn't get a job is if guys like Lafleur are successful. I've already pointed out on the show how just about every single person who has been hired out of the Andy Reid or the Shanahan tree, these young, innovative guys, they've all gone on, gone on to be successful. And conversely, About 100%, and I'm talking about over the last three years, guys that have come out of those two trees have been successful, 100% hit rate. The only guy that maybe has been successful in the last three years that didn't come out of that tree is the Chargers coach. And I've already gone on to say I don't know if I really necessarily buy that. I think they're underperforming based on their talent. But there is a clear, clear difference, whether it's McVay, Shanahan, uh, Frank Reich, Matt Nagy, whatever, a clear difference between those guys and you know the the Todd Bowles of the world, the Steve Wilks of the world. So if that happens again, if a if a if Sean McVay's quarterback coach can go to Cincinnati, who's like twelve years old, again a quarterback coach with very little experience, if if he gets plucked out of the McVay tree and is able to you know, get Cincinnati even close to the playoffs, and Lafleur gets the Packers back into the playoffs. It's kind of game over for McCarthy. I maybe I'm wrong, but any team that isn't picking out of that tree is just is is living in dreamland, man. The only way he gets a job is if he can genuinely convince people. Not only am I the same coach that did what I did before, but I I have done nothing but study the Andy Reeds and the the Chiefs and the Rams and the 49ers and the Packers, which would be a total gut shot. Maybe he would just leave that part out. But (laughs) to say I've been studying these teams who have been at the forefront to see what it is they're doing, the strengths and the weaknesses, studying modern defenses and those kinds of things. So if you hire me... You get a guy that's like that, and I've been making phone calls, right? I, I got connections still with the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, he has connections everywhere. McCarthy, at this point, has his own tree. As long as he's been in the business, guys, he's worked with, I mean, he's got connections like you wouldn't believe. I mean, Andy Reid, he, he could call Andy Reid. Not that they were directly working together, but again, he, he was, Andy Reid was, was a Packers guy for a long time. So it's, it's one of those things. There's, there's going to be connections, and in the offseason, he's going to have opportunities to reach out to a lot of these guys and talk to them and, and just say, what have I been missing, man? You know. But that's going to be his best shot, and he has to realize that that's the way it's going to go. He's going to have to modernize his way of thinking. Otherwise, he's just, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know if he gets a job, and even if he does, I don't know how successful he is if he doesn't change his way of thinking. But I will agree initially with, with your statement that he is a very, very good coach. And he definitely deserves a lot more respect than he's being given. But I I think people are just kind of commenting on the fact that he does play a role in what went wrong. Now, we'll see. This could be the year where everything kind of changes, right? I said at some point that well's got to dry up. You can't just spend two years in the presence of Andy Reid or Sean McVay or, or Kyle Shanahan or whoever and expect to be this kind of guru who can be a head coach. So, you know, LeFleur, you know, maybe we can even throw Kingsbury in the mix, although that's a different thing altogether. But if we see these guys all kind of fail and you've got Adam Gase kind of doing well with New York and some of these other guys, Bruce Arians, right? Bruce Arians, if he can do something in Tampa, that could be kind of big, even though he was successful with the Cardinals anyways. It just kind of shows goes to show you don't need to be of that tree and taking a year off can be a big benefit, especially depending on the organization, right? They they need some structure. They need some discipline. If you've got some issues, maybe I'm your guy, All right? Locker room's getting a little bit shaky. Call me up, man. I'll, I'll come straighten it out. So anyways, thanks again for the call. And if you'd like to also call in and give me a little little grinds of my gear, you don't have to say this is what grinds my gears if you don't want to. I'm just saying that's, that's kind of what it's about. It's 608 All right, now let's turn our attention to free agency. Again, piggybacking on what we did yesterday, kind of working our way through this again. Um, I didn't really mention quarterback yesterday. Obviously, it's possible we take a flyer sixth, seventh round or something. I don't really want to, because we have Deshaun Kaiser, we paid a relatively high price for him. Um, I don't see us doing anything super crazy there. Now, could we possibly get a free agent if he's just sitting there you know because Gutekunst isn't Ted Thompson and maybe they're looking at it going you know every time Rogers gets hurt we're in a lot of trouble but again considering the price we paid I think the expectation is Kaiser needs to be the guy and if he's not going to be the guy then I guess we just need to dump him and find somebody else but I, I don't see like going and getting Blake Bortles who's probably going to be got rid of just because well he's trash but he's better than Kaiser because that's just that's horrible but we'll leave that alone for now Next up, though, wide receiver. Now, I definitely think this is something that can be satisfied in the draft, but it is it is somewhat interesting to think about because on one hand, we really would like a number two guy, but I don't know that we invest a super high pick in it because of, like I said yesterday, that um, we do have people on the team right now that could develop. So you kind of want to look at later round guys, and there's a lot there. There's you know in the middle rounds, there's there's lots of guys stacked up. So it could make a little bit of sense to look at free agency, especially a short-term thing because you get a short-term fix, you get a guaranteed you know, number two guy, it doesn't have to be a superstar, just, just give me a guy that can be better than average, that's a reliable number two, and if, if, if the guys we have develop, perfect, that's great. They'll, they'll share time, we'll move on from the guy that we signed to a one-year contract, etc etc and if, if these guys don't develop then maybe we look at an extension we look at getting somebody else we continue drafting whatever but a one-year patch maybe a two-year deal depending on the situation whatever now who knows if it's a, if it's a good deal and a good receiver and we like them three four i don't know whatever but uh, looking at some of the names here at the top we've got uh, larry fitzgerald no thank you he's probably going to retire anyways randall cobb obviously is not going to be the answer One interesting thought, though, the number three on this list, although he's probably overpaid, is Mr. Dante Moncrief. Now, again, this is not a superstar. He never really has been. He spent three years in Indy. He was a decent receiver. Um, He had a bad year last year with Jacksonville, but also in 2017 was actually even a worse year, technically, than his 2018 year, so it's possible the guy just kind of fell off. Granted, he's still young, but based on his production... Even though he's only 26 years old, he could come at a pretty big discount. And, of course, the other big uh, connection, I guess, here is that because he played for the Jaguars, our offensive coordinator was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. So it could be a pretty seamless transition there. He's not coming over here having to learn a new scheme. He's basically coming over here doing similar stuff. It's going to be Lafleur as opposed to Hackett. But he's going to have, you know, any any jumps from... And I, well... Let's let's look at this, though. Well, let me finish my sentence. He jumps from Blake Bortles to Aaron Rodgers. Now, I mentioned he wasn't super great in 2017 either, but in 2017, remember, Andrew Luck didn't play that year. So in his three years with Andrew Luck, he was decent. He was above average. 2017, he's playing without Andrew Luck. It wasn't great. 2018, he goes to Jacksonville. It's a new team, new scheme, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new wide receivers coach. Garbage offense, garbage everything, terrible quarterback, and he doesn't have a super great year. Now it's average. He played as well as our number two, three, four, five, six wide receiver, right? Almost the exact same grade. So the the, the two questions, and again, he's twenty six, so that's kind of cool. But the two questions would be: number one, can we get him at a discount? Because I'm not paying this guy nine million bucks a year. No chance in the world. But if I can get him for a lot cheaper, the, the next question is. Do I think I'm getting 2016 Dante Moncrief or am I getting 2018 Dante Moncrief? Again, not a superstar, but just a good, reliable wide receiver. For the record, Dante is going to be lining up on the outside. He played a little bit in the slot, but not very much. He's primarily a boundary receiver. The biggest issue with that is going to be they're all fighting to get on the outside, and, and the bigger question is who's going to go on the inside? If Dante's not going to and Devontae's not going to, Marquez and EQ and Kumaro are all going to be kind of fighting to either get on the outside or learn to play in the slot, and it just kind of creates a log jam a little bit. Another somewhat interesting name is Tavon Austin. He's, uh, believe it or not, he's only about, he's 28. He's, he's 27 right now. He's about to be 28, though. So despite his name seemingly having been out there for the last 50 years, he's only 28 years old. But uh, this is a guy, he's a first-round draft pick by the Rams, Five eight one seventy nine ran a four three four. He's not going to be retained by Dallas, I wouldn't think, because they're not even playing him all that much. He's getting very limited snaps, but we can absolutely use him in the slot. As far as his talent, he's he's okay. Pretty similar to Dante Moncrief, in my opinion. He's he's between average and good, depending on the game, depending on whatever. And as far as price, I mean, it, he was getting seven last year. I mean, that I don't see him getting anywhere close to even five. I mean, I, I shouldn't. I, I don't. I don't see him getting more than five. Is what I'm saying. Another guy, Golden Tate. Now, this guy, he's been pretty solid. I mean, reliably a good football player, pretty much every year of his career. He's he, so instead of average to good, he's good to very good, and kind of has been his entire career. Now he's older. He's 30 years old, but I think this kind of fixes because he is going to be playing in the slot. 510 442 speed at least that's what he used to have back in his day. He's been around, played for several teams. He played for Seattle from 2010 to 2013. Obviously, he went to Detroit and played very well there from 2014 to 2017. Then he goes over to play for Philly. So he's he's had decent quarterbacks, but he's also always performed for each of these quarterbacks and he's going to get another decent quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So it's not going to be there's no reason to expect him to drop off. Now, there's a, a reasonable expectation that the Eagles are going to want to try to retain him because he ended up doing pretty well for their team. Unfortunately for the Eagles, though, their salary cap situation is very, very bad. They're about $12 million in the hole. They're going to offload um, Nick Foles, which is going to free up about $20 million. I think it's $18 million, so they'll have $6 million to play with, and I'm sure they can jockey around money otherwise. But I mean, you're talking about signing a guy that's $6 million. That puts you at zero. Again, they're, they're going to make some other moves, they're going to extend some people, they're going to do what they can, cut a few other people to, to free up a little bit of money, but when you're in that kind of a dire situation, I don't know if you can afford the luxury of a guy like Golden Tate, especially when there's decent amount of wide receivers in the draft. Maybe just draft a wide receiver. They've got a lot of talent at a lot of positions, but they've done a lot in free agency. Maybe it's time to start getting away from free agency and filling holes in the draft. Golden Tate could very well be available, and, and so far that's easily my favorite favorite pick for free agency because it's he's older but we're not looking for a long-term thing we're looking for a patch he's talented he's he's never really had a bad year just kind of makes sense now because I'm crafty that way and I'm just a google ninja I actually did find a few articles about guys that may be getting cut or traded by their team so let's take a look at some of the wide receivers that are potentially available that maybe you ain't heard about yet number 1 sterling shepherd basically this is a situation where sterling Shepard is a good enough player and a young player that you de- you drafted you developed and you should never let go the problem is he's going to be very expensive and similar to what the packers did at wide receiver when they started purging guys it gets to the point where we're just paying too much for one position they paid odell beckham they paid him a lot of money The consensus right now is that it's way too expensive to have Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, who's going to want a decent amount of money, on your staff, so it would make sense to trade him away. Now, this guy is still on his rookie contract this year, meaning if we took him and paid his base salary, it's $1.2 million. Now, I don't know if there's going to be an expectation of a contract extension, but I also don't know if it's any of his business anyways, or even if you're allowed to do that on a rookie contract. I have no idea. But for a one-year... See, and that's the thing, though, too. You don't really want a one-year patch when you're dealing out draft picks. I mean, if this guy... If we're talking about like a second or third-round pick, let's just call it a third-round pick for Sterling Shepherd, you're not going to do that for a one-year patch. The expectation is to sign him long-term. And I think if it's that important of a position, you'd rather just spend a second or third-round pick drafting somebody. Because on one hand, you're drafting somebody that's going to be with the team for a long time, but you've got four years of a rookie contract, as opposed to Sterling Shepherd, where you're given a third-round pick for a guy that's pretty good and does fill a need. He's not elite by any stretch of the imagination, although I'm sure his production will go up if he goes from Eli Manning to Aaron Rodgers. But the problem is, in 2020, this guy's going to be like, all right, I want my $13, $14, 15000000 million, dollars, and you're just like, whoa, no, man, <laughs> that's, no. For you? No, because then the Packers are in the exact same situation. We're paying Devontae. Now, he's not getting Odell Beckham money, but I'm I'm not paying Devontae what we're paying Devontae, but then paying Sterling Shepard almost the same amount of money as Devontae. Never. So then he's going to say no, and we're going to lose him, and then essentially we lost a third-round pick for a guy that we had for one year that was pretty good, but isn't going to make that big of a difference. Another potential name, but probably not, is the Chicago Bears' Kevin White. Obviously, all the talent in the history of the world as far as just his physical makeup. Six foot three, two hundred sixteen pounds, ran a four three five. He was a seventh overall pick by the Chicago Bears in twenty fifteen, but he just has never been able to make this thing work. Now, if we think we can utilize him and actually get him to be a good football player, obviously this could be a massive steal, and he's not going to be worth very much money. So maybe the Packers take a flyer on him, but um, you know we'll, we'll just kind of table that one. I think. Lastly, I think we could you know end up end the wide receiver talk with two big names that everybody kind of knows one is antonio brown um i've already kind of said enough is enough with the whole antonio brown thing just because of who he is um again if we got him i'm gonna do nothing but just jump up and down and do a happy dance but i just i don't see it and i don't know that it makes a lot of sense based on his attitude and demeanor when we got a brand new coach the last thing we want to do is undermine him with a guy who's going all over social media blasting head coaches I mean, the guy guy just has no regard for his team, just like Le'Veon Bell. He just up and left, said, nope, I'm not showing up. I do what I want. And then while the team's kind of flailing around trying to do what they can, he's off, you know, jet-setting around, partying, doing whatever. It's, no man. I mean, you just don't need that. Again, if wide receiver's that important, fine. Pull the trigger in round one. Get Calvin Harmon, get Nikhil Harry, whatever. Get Hollywood Brown, get A.J. Brown. If it's that important, just draft a guy. Uh, the other is Deshaun Jackson. Kind of similar, but I it seems like he's maybe mellowed out a little bit. I haven't heard a ton of super crazy stuff out of him. I mean, he obviously, you know, the whole I, I want to be traded thing, that's not great. But, I mean, the, I don't think we have to worry about that too much in Green Bay. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned before the one thing I don't like about Hollywood Brown is that he mimics sort of the wide receivers that we already have, the really fast burners on the outside. If we get Deshaun Jackson... Again, we're just kind of like tripling down on a certain type of player. Now, the good thing is he can actually do it. There, aren't, there just aren't guys that can go deep like Deshaun Jackson can go deep. And as much as I feel like the deep shot is something that maybe is, is played out for Green Bay a little bit, and we should try to focus on short to intermediate routes a little bit more, we do still need somebody that can, that can do that, right? Things were really good back in the day. When you had Jordy Nelson running the deep post, right? He, I mean, he could just hit it. It was just a beautiful play. You could count on it like once every second or third game. They're just they're going to hit that eventually. It's coming, right? He just he had it down. He knew how to run the route. Rodgers knew when to throw it, where to throw it. They had the timing. Everything was. It was just a beautiful play. And I do think a team generally is going to be limited if they can't make that work. Now Devonte can do it. Uh, He's a good enough route runner that he can do a double move and get open down the field eventually, but uh, you know, a guy that can really threaten deep, um, I think is pretty important. And we do have guys that are fast, but fast, again, doesn't always translate to being absolutely a deep threat. Trevor Davis is fast. Doesn't necessarily mean anything. So I'll I'll put it in the maybe column. Again, that's another one of those things where it's like, if they do it, all I can think of is how lethal that could be. But do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. Anyways, let's get out of wide receiver. Uh, Running back, I've kind of mentioned that I don't want to go too crazy with it. You know, obviously, I don't want Le'Veon Bell. I don't want to do an early-round pick. I think I'm content. You know, you start talking 6th, 7th, or undrafted free agent, getting another running back, because, again, we just need bodies. We got Aaron Jones. We got Jamal Williams. We got Capri Bibbs if we decide to hang on to him. Let's just get one more guy. So I'm not sure I'm really looking at a free agent there. Fullback, okay. As far as tight end, man oh man, I really really don't want to dip into that well again. I was kind of thinking about it, after the exercise yesterday, I kind of feel like edge rusher, offensive tackle, and then tight end would be a pretty good series of events based on what positions are available, what positions we need. That kind of makes sense to me. I know we'd like to get a second pass rusher and all that kind of stuff, but we also need a tackle and a tight end would be pretty nice. And based on where there are tight ends and the amount of talent at tight end and where they are, I think second round there's going to be a pile of them, really talented ones. If we get a, you know, Brian Burns or a Montez Sweat or a Josh Allen or a Jakai Polite with our first first round pick, then get a Dalton Risner with our second first round pick, and then uh, whatever, uh, TJ Hawkinson or something with our second pick. I feel like we've optimized our picks, if that makes sense. But can't always guarantee that. Not a ton of tight ends. If we don't get one in the first two rounds, are we going to get one in the third? Is there going to be any available? I don't really know. But um, I'm just, I'm really getting kind of tired of uh, dipping into this. If we did, however, it's got to be somebody with at least a little bit of youth, and there really just aren't very many. You know, Tyler Eifert is, you know, one of the more, I don't want to use the word tragic. That's a little overly dramatic. But I mean, you talk about a very, very good wide or tight end that just cannot stay healthy. But he is again a free agent, just like every year. Packer fans are thinking maybe we can get Tyler Eifert. Imagine if we had Tyler Eifert. He's currently 29 years old, so he is getting up in age. And um, I mean, he's he's getting five and a half million right now. Uh, maybe he's not going to get that if we if we can get him for. Mercedes Lewis money which is like two million bucks then I guess we could take a shot at it but I I don't know man I'd I'd rather just hang on to what we have you know keep Mercedes Lewis because of what he's able to do and you know he's got experience with our offensive coordinator and maybe we know how to utilize him a little better under our new regime you know keep Jimmy Graham see if we can kind of revitalize that situation and then um, you know maybe move on from Lance Kendricks I, I I don't know. And then hopefully we can draft somebody. I just, I don't really want to, you know, Jared Cook, eh, he's 32, he'll be 33. Antonio Gates is 40. You know, Luke Wilson with the Lions has never really been all that good. But he's he's 29, which I guess is young in and, and free agent tight end years. Josh Hill with the Saints is 29. Uh, ben Watson is also 39. He's another 40-year-old guy. You know, Nate Sterling, it's uh, Nui, it's, it's, it's all... 28 29 none of these guys are super great either now here's a name and i'm guessing he's not going anywhere but let's take a look see real quick so the baltimore ravens this is actually kind of interesting they drafted last year mark andrews and hayden Hurst. they went two tight ends last year in the draft a free agent this year is a guy by the name of Max Williams. Max Williams was a very, very good tight end the year he was drafted. Now, he started off slow because as that, that tends to be the case, right? Tight ends, it seems like it takes three years, even first-round guys, to kind of really step into their own. So 2015, he was average. 2016, he was average. 2017, he's above average. 2018, he finally cracked that good category. But again, we're talking about a guy who, I, I think, what is he, 25 years old? Max Williams is twenty five years old. He's a free agent. He's a first round pick, all the talent in the world, and he's on a team as a free agent that just drafted two tight ends. Meaning, are they really gonna pay to retain their third tight end? I don't think so. I don't think he's gonna be a Raven. So that if we're going somewhere, I think Max Williams is kind of my 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 thought. Otherwise, you know, let's look at the draft. As far as offensive line, if we went tackle, um, Kind of my issue here is if we keep Brian Balaga, we don't really want somebody that's a short-term answer because what's the point of that? Essentially, we're overpaying for a tackle that's a veteran to be a backup in case Balaga gets hurt. That doesn't make sense. And if we're not overpaying for him, that means he was really terrible, so what was the point to begin with? We've already got really terrible tackles. We don't need another one. If we let Balaga walk and then sign another free agent tackle, what exactly is the point of that if they're a veteran, unless this is a long-term deal? But Brian Balaga is already an older veteran that's very talented. Why don't we just extend him? So the only way this works, in my opinion, is if we get a young tackle that we think is talented and we sign him to a long-term deal. The problem is, as important as tackles are, you don't let young, talented tackles leave. So I don't think free agency is the place to go to get a tackle. Not to say we won't dip in somewhere and get somebody, but it might just be a Ted Thompson signing where it's like, I don't know, here's a guy. He's not very good, but uh, he's kind of some depth. You know, here's, I don't know, 32-year-old Sam Young. Enjoy. However, guard, on the other hand, we've got some guys playing guard right now that are not all that great. Uh, The first guy, and I've heard his name mentioned a couple times, is Mike Yapati. Um... He's been on a bit of a decline a little bit. Now, it's 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 not 100% because he's been injured the last couple of years, so maybe it's not a decline, it's just that he's been injured. But when you are uh, 31 going on 32 and your last two seasons you've been hurt, I don't know. I suppose the good news is you're getting a quality, talented guy that's going to come at a discount, but um, eh. Another really talented guy is Roger Saffold with the Rams. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. The Rams don't really have any depth at guard. They've got two guards, and they're both very, very good. Um, they also have two very good tackles. And the offensive line, as important it is, as it is to the Rams and being able to maintain the run game and keep their quarterback safe, I think they're going to pay Roger Saffold handsomely to be able to stay there. There's, there's actually quite a few options here. You know, Another one is Andy Levitre levitre levitra whatever he's getting up in age 32 going on 33 but um with the exception of 2018 in which he got hurt the guy's had a pretty solid career now it could be one of those things he's on a downswing who knows but you know if we're looking for a short-term one to two year contract with a guy who's automatically an upgrade over what we have there you go and I, i you know i considering (sighs) drafting a guard is always going to be a little bit iffy depending on how early you do it, I don't mind the idea of getting a free agent guard, especially a higher priced one even if he's older. If he's got a good track record of being a solid guard and he can come in and start and guards are relatively cheap, I don't mind that at all. You know, Ramon Foster, the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's a solid guard. Is he getting old? Yeah, is he as good as he used to be? No. But we need a lot of help in the guard spot. If we can get a a sure thing, even if we're paying a little bit extra for him, I don't really care. So, I mean, it's one of those situations where you'd like to satisfy it in the draft, but we're probably not going to touch it until kind of getting later. And once you get later, it's kind of iffy. You start talking fourth, fifth, sixth round, I don't have really high expectations that you're going to be a starter. And we kind of really need a starter. So, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of options in free agency, and I would like to see the Packers dip into that a little bit. We talked about corner, and I mentioned uh, I really don't want to invest in a free agent. The only thing that would really make it worthwhile is if we went out and just got a stud, but again, it doesn't really make sense. We, first of all, already got Bashad Breeland, so we've put cap space, you know, free agent cap space allocated to corner. We also have Jair, Josh Jackson, Kevin King. These are two second round picks and a first round pick, all as cornerback. We have so much already invested in cornerback. I just can't do it. Again, if you want to draft somebody in the fifth round or whatever to take a flyer to see what happens, go for it. I'm not, I I don't, I just, I can't do it, man. It's too much. These guys just have to be better. Safety now. Safety, I think, might be one of the biggest because I don't see anything really helping us out in the draft. It's possible. Again, we could get Deontay if he ends up going into the draft. There's, there's, as I've said, several guys in the fourth round that have panned out in the NFL. Um, who knows? You can get a, a early to mid-round guy that maybe pans out, and considering the lack of talent we have at safety, maybe he steps up and can actually contribute. Probably should be able to play, considering the talent. So a couple of high-priced and very talented guys. Everybody knows Earl Thomas, the situation there. He will not be back with the Seahawks. At least I'd be shocked if he even considered that. That puts him with, um, I would say, thirty-one other teams. But as I've said, a lot of teams already have safeties, and a lot of teams not only have one good safety, they've got two. Right? The Bears are not interested in Earl Thomas. I don't think the Vikings would be interested in Earl Thomas. Maybe the Lions. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going through, and and it's. So we wouldn't have all that much competition, and the good thing is that drives down his price. Now, it could get to the point where he just doesn't get a contract. We saw that with several safeties last year, and the reason was you got safeties saying, this is my value, and you got teams going, yeah, but I'm not paying you that. I'm the one holding the cards here because nobody else wants you. Your value isn't just determined based on your play, it's based on the market. And right now the market is in the tank because there's already an oversaturation of good safeties in the NFL, your value goes down. I'm sorry if you don't like that, that's just the way it is. So I think if the Packers, because his current average per year is ten million, at thirty years old coming off a really bad injury, if we say, Alright, I'll tell you what, I'll give you ten, that's that's the same amount of money you were getting paid before, before your your recent injury, before you turned thirty years old, that's what you're get. I'll give it to you again. And I'm going to give you a two, maybe three-year contract averaging $10 million a year, X amount and guarantees. Now, I'm sure Earl Thomas wants more than that, but what's he going to do to get more than that? Is somebody really going to pay him $14, $15 million? I'm just saying. Another really big name, really talented guy is uh, LaMarcus Joyner, safety for the Rams. Now, the, the reason this is interesting is because the Rams franchise tagged him last year. Uh, his current contract right now is 11.287 million. If you franchise tag somebody a second time, that goes up 120%, so it goes up to 13ish million. Now, maybe they would do that? I don't know. Maybe they'll just give him a contract. I'm assuming the reason they gave him a contract is because 11 million is a lot cheaper than he was asking for and would have gotten on the on the free agent market. Do they still think that's the case at 13ish million? I don't know. Can they paid, afford to pay him 13 million? Can they afford to give him a contract for 13, 14, 15 million to keep him on the team? Fact of the matter is, as good as Lamarcus Joyner was last year, he's their second best corner this year. He was good, but he wasn't franchise tag good. So basically, you got a guy who had a really good year and a contract year, and then kind of regressed back to just being a good safety again. So are the Rams going to pay him? I, I just don't think so. I think there's going to be on the free agent market. He's going to bet on himself and say, somebody's going to pay me big-time money. The Rams are not going to want to pay him big-time money, so he could be available in the open market. Could the Packers be interested in him? I would say I hope so. Again, we are one of only a handful. We'll call it maybe half the league that's even interested in going out and getting a big-name free agent safety. That's still a lot of teams. We're talking 16 teams, but that, that should give us a leg up. Of that 16, how many have cap space? How many have other needs that they need to satisfy how many are going to try to rely on the draft you know whatever I think we have more of an urgent need at safety than a lot of other teams we've got Taran Matthew back at it is Houston going to retain him I don't really know it was a one-year contract I think he played well he's a good strong safety plays really well against the run do we want to go out and pay this guy if we pay him does that mean we're giving up on Josh Jones I don't really know what that means but he's an option I think he's he's definitely better than Josh Jones is. That's not my favorite pick because I'm looking for a free safety more than a strong safety, but you know whatever. He's only 26 years old. We could sign Teran Matthew for I mean, I don't know his one year deal was for seven million. Seven again, six. I mean we we could get the guy a three year deal for six million dollars a year. That's pretty dirt cheap and he's he's a, he's just a reliable guy. he's not elite, he's not a freak. But he's he's a strong safety that's just reliable. He's just he's a good football player. He's good against the run. He's good, he's decent in coverage. You know, he's he's very good against the run. He's a decent tackler, he's decent in coverage, he's decent in pass rush, just across the board, he's just a solid guy. So I don't mind that so much. There's a lot of other names, but the one that everybody seems to really want to latch on to is Landon Collins. I do think it makes sense. He did have a down year in twenty eighteen, but he's been a really solid football player um you know stuff happens I don't know guys years they fluctuate but um another guy that's just really solid he's good in coverage pass rush tackling run defense I mean nothing really super stands out with him you know 2016 he was elite in run defense very good tackler and uh a a good pass rusher in 2017 it was his coverage so (laughs) it was the the one thing he wasn't in 2016 he was in 2017. And now in twenty eighteen he was he was good to average in just about every category. So definitely not quite as good, but that could maybe work to your benefit as far as how much money he's gonna get. Again, how many teams actually want safeties, and then you, you gotta figure Landon Collins is competing with who? He's competing with LaMarcus Joyner, with Earl Thomas, with Taran Matthew, with Marcus Gilchrist, Chris Conti, Mike Adams, Haha Clinton Dix. There's a lot of guys out there. So if I go to Landon and I'm like, alright, I'll give you I don't know eight million dollars to come play for us. And He's like, no, 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 no. I'm a, I'm like the next up and coming guy. I'm real young. I deserve you know a 13000000 million dollar contract. It's like, okay, I will tell you what, if I can get Earl Thomas for ten, I ain't paying you thirteen. And Landon just kind of flails around and waits for somebody to offer a contract as as more and more teams that are potential draft or suitors for him end up picking up the LaMarcus Joiners and the Earl Thomases and the Chris Contes, and they, they go out and get these guys. Suddenly Landon's going to be like, all right, fine, <laughs> I'll take it. So I, I think guard and especially safety are two that I'd like to see the Packers entertain, especially, especially safety, because again, I don't see much in the draft. Okay, we could draft somebody, we probably could, should, can, whatever, but there's just not a lot of people in the draft, and you don't want to see them massively reached just because, well, I was really hoping to get somebody, especially in free agency when there's this many people. We've got to get somebody, and I really, really, really hope that we get a good football player. I am so tired of the Ted Thompson-esque, you know, let's go get, you know, Chris Conti. Why? The guy's literally never been any good. Well, I don't know, because he's cheap and uh, he's a body. It's like, you know how many subpar guys we already have on this team? Why are you going and filling up the roster with garbage? No offense to Chris. I'm sure he's a great person. But he's not a good safety. Ted Thompson did that stuff all the time, getting guys that's like, oh, we signed somebody. And then you go look and it's like, oh, he's not good. He's never been good. Why did you do that? Why even bother spending the money? You just got extra spots on the roster, and you're like, eh, I don't know. feel like I should do something as a GM. Definitely not going to spend money, though. I mean, I, I care about just having a bunch of extra cap space laying around just in case, you know, rainy day rainy day fund and such. Never know, man. Maybe some kind of freak's going to be available in November. Then you're going to wish you had a bunch of money. Except that never happens, and even if it did, I wouldn't spend it because I want the money. So, again... I would like our GM to either get somebody that's going to upgrade a position or just not bother. I think he's done a good job of that so far. Jimmy Graham, although he wasn't great, obviously was a big name that should have been a massive upgrade. Mercedes Lewis, a big name that just the year before was a phenomenal blocker, should have been a massive upgrade. He wasn't. Muhammad Wilkerson, another guy that's a very good football player. He actually was quite a bit of an upgrade. He was better than Mike Daniels this past year. He got hurt, stuff happens. All these things are completely out of his control, but obviously he's looking at it from the same perspective I am, that what's the point if it's not going to be a big name? Maybe it's a little bit of a flyer. I don't know what Muhammad Wilkerson's going to do, but I see this person as a potential massive upgrade and I want him. Um, I mentioned linebacker, not super interested, so I think we'll just end with edge defender. Now, I've already mentioned you're just not going to get a lot of these guys. Uh, Clay Matthews is going to be out the door. It's going to save up a bunch of money. Not having to pay that guy anymore. But uh, Brian Arakpo, older guy, Clay Matthews' aide. Uh, Jadavian Clowney is probably going to be getting franchise tagged. Derek Morgan with the Titans is not very good. I mean, th- this is just kind of how it goes with this kind of position, man. It's just there's just not very many that are available. I know Khalil Mack last year, but that was obviously a very weird situation that doesn't very often happen. The big names that you see on here, it's just not going to be there. Now, The interesting thing is, this is a situation where maybe you look for teams that are looking to trade, etc., etc. So one name that popped up as a potential guy would be uh, Robert Quinn. Now, Robert Quinn, I think, is a better fit in a 4-3 system. He's also getting kind of old, and he's not all that fantastic. But he does have experience in a 3-4 system. He played for the uh, Rams. You know, Depending on what exactly it would cost to get him, it's an option. Um, you know, it's just, it's such a dire situation. Whereas if this was a different position, I'd look at it and go, no, what's the point? We, we, we just need bodies in there. And I don't even know, even if we draft two, it's like, I still would like, you know, more. So I don't want to pay a ton for a guy like Robert Quinn, but it's a potential option. The biggest issue though, is the fact that his base salary is almost $12 million, now, the, the benefit of that is he's only 28 years old. You pay out that money, and then you maybe you restructure it right out of the gate, right? You lower that number, spread it out over two, three years. I, 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 I'm reaching, but I'm just telling you, this is not a good position to find in free agency. It's just not. Uh, finally, there is one name, and it seems somewhat unusual, but perhaps... There's some talk that the Vikings may be looking to cut Everson Griffin after this year. Again, I have no idea. Maybe it's a bunch of baloney. I'm just saying, but the guy's getting up in age. His contract is going to jump significantly in 2019 from basically 3.9 million to 10.9 million. The Vikings, who are not in the greatest cap situation in the world, would save 10 million dollars by dumping him this year. 10.7 million, in fact. And then And I mean, this is a long-term contract, so essentially whoever it is that decides to pick up Everson Griffin um, would be picking up a pretty big contract. I mean, it depends. It depends if it's a trade or a cut or how that would all work. But if, if they did trade him, essentially the contract is through 2022. Now, I, I, I don't like that contract very much because I don't want him until 35 years old. He's a good football player, but he's a defensive end. He's getting up in age. He's got an injury history. I mean, the Vikings, this is a bad contract. I would like the Vikings to, to keep him and have to pay this man this much money. But we're talking 10, basically 11 million, then 13 million, then 13.4, then 14.9 in 2022 is the last year of his contract. This is a very uh, team-friendly contract, meaning at any point, if you decide to dump him, you're, you're going to save almost the entirety of the contract. So if it's ever not working, you go ahead and do it. But... If you don't mind that he's a 4-3 defensive end, the Packers could take him away from the Vikings, put him on the Packers, see what he can do there. And again, at any point, if you don't like him or his contract, you just dump him. If they decide to cut him and he becomes a free agent, then, you know, it becomes a little bit more interesting where we can kind of rework this so it's not such a ridiculous contract. But that would be the only other interesting candidate that I can think of. Again, this is not a great way to go about it, trying to find a guy like this in free agents. Unless, again, it's a, a trade, which is going to be very expensive because teams don't want to give up, guys. But again, you look at Avon Miller, going to be super expensive. Not only do we have to eat that contract, but we're going to have to give the Broncos a lot to get him because they're not going to want to let him go. So I think, anyways, in, in summary, safety is going to be the biggest one. And I do have expectations because there's a lot of people and not a lot of competition. And we have the money. Not that we're... Again, we, we have a lot of cap space for the Packers, but this isn't like, you know, we're not talking, some of these teams have uh, uh, close to $100 million in cap space. We're talking about 40 to $50 million. You pay out a guy a $10 million contract, that drops to 30 pretty quick. And then you figure we got, what, $10 million We have to invest in our draft picks, so it goes down to $20 million. Resign a lot of our own guys, we're down to $10 million. I mean, one $10 million contract, and we're kind of capped out. Again, we can re- rework whatever, but I, I just I want to make sure we understand when people say we have so much cap space, eh, not really, kind of, but we can't compete with a lot of other teams. So anyways, that's it. That's my summary of the situation. You folks enjoy your Friday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.